You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I'm Chip Brown, and I'm joined by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, and, uh, well, we call her T-Ball. Her dad was a member of the Miracle Mets. You can see him crossing home plate right there behind her. Um, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? I'm doing well, Chip. How about you? Hey, you know what? We're still talking about football and a fall football season, so I am doing great. And um, we got quite a show for you today. We're going to be getting into the uh, scrimmage, the first scrimmage of fall camp. Uh, there was good news and bad news out of that. Uh, injury news, not good. We'll get into that. And we had a chance to talk to Sam Ellinger today right? and get some of his thoughts about what's going on with the offense, the defense, and... Um, and other topics with Sam Ellinger and the Longhorns' new football schedule. How does it shape up, and how does it shape up compared to Oklahoma's football schedule, the revised schedule? And, of course, your favorite, you all email us, you text us, and say we can't wait for Love It or Leave It. So, yes, you'll get some more Love It or Leave It. All right, so, Taylor, let's get right into the scrimmage that happened last Saturday. Uh, first scrimmage of fall camp. It's nothing's been normal. Nothing's been uh, according to plan. So here we are uh, with the first scrimmage. And I think they'd only had like two practices and pads before they uh, went into DKR for this scrimmage. And we'll start with the bad news first so that we can move on uh, to the good news. The bad news is that there were uh, a few injuries, right. but one season-ending injury to uh, stud freshman receiver Troy O'Meary, who by all accounts and all the team sources I've talked to was having a great camp, was pushing his way into the top four receivers on the team, and he a non-contact injury planted his foot and torn ACL done for the season and that is that's just discouraging a for Troy O'Meary obviously the the kid was putting in a great effort was having a great camp uh but that's a position where Texas is looking for production after losing Devin Duvernay and Colin Johnson and here's this six three and a half 230 pound man mm -hmm. if you've seen the pictures of Troy O'Meary it looks like Megatron for crying out loud yeah you wouldn't think he was a true freshman I'll tell you that Right. And, and, and now he's out. And this, this, is a, this is a big loss because, man, you love it when young guys come in and push the older guys and get everyone's attention and let everyone know that there's going to be no resting on seniority or I've been in more reps than you. No, you make plays. You get on the field. And this kid was making plays, Taylor. 
yeah, no, I mean, this is a huge loss, Chip. And even just talking to, we talked to Sam Ellinger on Tuesday, and when he was asked about some of the younger guys who have really stood out, the first name that came out of his mouth was Tro- Troy O'Meary. And he talked about how big of a loss it really was because he was having a fantastic camp. And at the position where Texas has, you know, the open spots that they need guys to step up, that's a huge loss. I mean, because if you look at the type of receivers that Texas has put on the field since Tom Herman has taken over, I mean, he, he's usually had at least two of the big body receivers with Colin Johnson, Will Jordan Humphrey in 2018, and then Colin Johnson and Brennan Eagles a lot last season in 2019. And right now, you know, it's pretty much Brennan Eagles because a lot of the other type of receivers that Texas have are more the prototypical type of slot receiver body, you know, a little bit shorter and um, not as, I guess, daunting as a, you know, a jump ball type of threat in the end zone. So this is a big loss in my opinion. Yeah, it is. And you're right. The, uh, the big, in the big receiver group at Texas now, you've got Brennan Eagles at 6'4". You've got Tariq Black, the Michigan grad transfer at 6'3". And then I'm not hearing names emerging yet of, you know, from like the Kennedy Lewis types and... Um, Washington and... Yeah, Marcus Washington a little bit. But um, of those big X receivers, you know, Brennan Eagles and Tariq Black are the are the names that I'm hearing. So they would have loved to have Troy O'Meary's depth, but um, that injury happened. He's not coming back. And, and so the, the good news, Taylor, I guess, in talking to Sam Ellinger on Tuesdays and, and talking to multiple team sources is just the fearlessness that this freshman class has come in with. And right. I mean, the names that we're hearing, um, heck, Calvante Dixon, the, the younger brother of running back Keontae Ingram, six foot, 180 pounds at receiver. He's getting some buzz, and that's good because, um, you, look, you, you want to you hear about guys who are really making a move, and I haven't heard a whole heck of a lot about Brennan Eagles yet making a bunch of plays in this camp. So, I mean, Brennan Eagles needs to – really show up. I mean, this is a guy who's 6'4", runs like the wind, had six touchdown catches last year. We are hearing good things about Jordan Whittington and Jake Smith and and Joshua Moore and Marcus Washington. Need to hear more good things about Brennan Eagles. It's early. Mm-hmm. I mean, three weeks, right? Yep, about. Three right. weeks, is that right? To my birthday? Until the season opener? Oh, yeah, until the season opener. Yeah, I thought you were talking about fall camp. I was like, I think it's less than that. But, yeah, three weeks. Yep, you're. Man, it's already August 18th, Taylor. I know. We got to get – we got to make sure this football season thing happens. You know what I mean? no doubt about it. And one thing with Brennan Eagles, too, you have to consider is he's one of the most – experienced receivers returning to the group. You know, he's a true junior. He has seen, um, you know, a a decent amount of playing time since he enrolled at Texas. So, you know, if it's usually the way that this goes, if younger guys start showing up better and more consistently than some of the older guys, why would you play the older guy? You play the younger one, you play the, the, the hot hand. And, you know, some of these underclassmen are stepping up and, you know, we're hearing more about them than Brennan Eagles, than that could be a sign, but as you said, it is still early and there's still, they've only had one scrimmage 
And Tom Herman over the weekend after the scrimmage told us this was the first, you know, full go scrimmage since I believe he said late December prior right. to the Alamo Alabama. Bowl against yeah. Utah. So, you know, it was going to be rusty. He even said that openly. It was sloppy. Um, but, you know, there's the time, you know, clock is kind of ticking down right now. So, um, you know, if guys like Brennan Eagles really want to secure their starting spot, it's now or never. Well, uh, back to the scrimmage. Now, the good news uh, was that the defensive line was dominant in the scrimmage and not just the Keandre Coburn's, Joseph Osai's, Taquan Graham's, and Moro Jomo's, but uh, Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton and Tavandre Sweat uh, also had a, a big day from what I'm told. And, and so you lose Marquez Bimage, he opts out. And by all accounts, from what I'm hearing, he will be back next year. He'll, he'll be slimmed down from that 272 who he weighed last year when he tried to beef up to be a four-eye defensive end. He'd already gotten down to 251. Right. He could be a jack. Uh, you know, he could replace Osai. If Osai goes pro after this season, I mean, let's let's go slow here. But yeah. <laughs> you know, Bimage can handle the strong side defensive end position. He could play Jack. He's explosive. But you're you're loving the fact that Alfred Collins, the freshman from Bastrop, who's I mean, his name just keeps coming up, Taylor. Every time I'm I'm talking to team sources, they're saying this guy's putting on a show. So I think there's a lot of excitement around uh, around Alfred Collins. Yeah, well, he was also one of the highest-ranked uh, signees that Texas did add this year. I believe he was the third highest behind Hudson Card, barely behind Hudson Card. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that when we were able to talk to some of the assistant coaches for the first time prior to everything being shut down, you know, we were talking to um, new defensive line coach. Oh my gosh, why is his name leaving my head right now? <laughs> but Mark uh, Hagen. And he talked about how he was pumped that, you know, he felt like he got kind of a, a Christmas come early present with him just being hired soon um, before Alfred Collins actually committed to Texas. So, you know, I think that's been a player that a lot of the, the defensive line coaches have been excited about. So, Sounds like he might be, you know, kind of living up to that hyped uh, defensive line recruit that he he was when he signed for Texas. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, Tim Crowder, who is a friend of the flagship podcast and um, has trained a, a lot of athletes who've gone on to play at Texas. He's trained Texas athletes. He's trained post-college uh, Texas athletes um, like Alex Okafor, but he trained Alfred Collins in high school, and he said that this guy uh, reminds him of Reggie White, mm -hmm. the perennial pro bowler, and he hoped that Alfred Collins would get a chance to play defensive end. And from what it sounds like, he's, he's playing a lot inside. I mean, he's a big guy. And I think the concern is that he couldn't hold up at his size. He's almost 300 or right at 300 pounds. Mm -hmm. at the defensive end position. So who knows, but um, it sounds like he's playing inside more. Um, and Vernon Broughton is actually playing a little bit on the outside and Vernon Broughton weighs 305, but they both are monsters. I mean, Tom Herman 
um, talked about that, standing next to Alfred Collins and Vernon Broaden. He said, these are two huge dudes, you know, and they're freshmen. So, um, look, defensive line, one of the hardest positions to get right in recruiting. Mm -hmm. I've said, you got to get the quarterback right, but then you got to get your interior defensive lineman right. Right. That to me is the second most important recruiting, you know, recruited position. And I think Tom Herman is, he's hitting pay dirt here the last uh, few years in the recruiting game. Yeah. Well, Alfred Collins, I just looked at the, the um, roster. He's listed at 305. And he just, he wasn't an early enrollee. He was a summer enrollee for Texas. So that's, it's a big freshman. I'll tell you that. And if you saw how he looked, I don't think it's a 305. You're worried that he's too flabby, you know, not, doesn't have the muscle. It's, it's a solid 305. And that's yeah, crazy. That, you know? Those guys will get your, uh, your blood flowing. <laughs> um, as far as the rest of the scrimmage, I'm hearing that, um, you know, the offensive line had a tough day, obviously, but the they're still trying to figure out the combinations on on the right side. So they have not solidified that yet. Uh, I've mentioned um, Isaiah Hookfin quite a bit as a name to keep an eye on, and I continue to hear that he's getting a lot of work at guard. So is Denzel Okafor at guard with Christian Jones at right tackle. When Hookfin's at guard, you've got Okafor at tackle. So it sounds like those three are the ones vying for the two vacant spots on the offensive line. And really, you know, you've got Sam Cosme and Junior Angelau on the left side, and then Derek Kerstetter at center. So you're, you're, you're really looking for that right guard and right tackle. And it sounds like Denzel Okafor, Christian Jones, and Isaiah Hookfin are the ones getting the most reps with the first team. And, and they got to get things figured out because, um, the, the toughest guys they go up against this season might be in practice, Taylor, on that defensive line. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, who would you say, from what you have been hearing, is the, the guy to really pay attention to? Well, I think they think Hookfin is a freak. Like, I think they see big upside with Hookfin, and I, I see him starting at, at guard. To me, then, it comes down to Christian Jones and Denzel Okafor battling it out at right tackle. And, you know, Denzel Okafor, fifth year senior, has the body, has the NFL body. Does he have the consistency mentally to to bring it every snap? That's that's the million dollar question. He's a fifth year senior. He was in the portal. He came, he took himself out of the portal and decided to stay. He was thinking of doing the grad transfer thing elsewhere. But um He's got to, he's just got to go win it. He's just got to go win the job and he's got to do it every single day. And, and so, you know, the offensive line had a tough day, but I, these, these scrimmages, you tend to have a bad day and then you bounce back and right. um, it tends to go back and forth, even in practice from day to day. So people, you know, of course they hear that the defensive line was dominant. Well, that sends half of um, horns 24 seven you know, to question the offensive line and Herb Hand and what, this is terrible. Okay, yeah. slow down, slow right. down. These these go back and forth. It's hot. Guys get amped up. Some days are better than others. Yeah. But um, 
Yeah, if they're not looking sharp, Taylor, against UTEP on September 12th, then we can talk about oh me, oh my, but not right now. Yeah, and I do think a lot of people may have forgotten how well Texas has been able to redshirt the offensive line signees over the last two recruiting cycles, uh, or in 2018-2019. I mean, you know, Isaiah Hookfin is a perfect example of that. I think a lot of people may have forgot about him And then all of a sudden he's showing out. Well, I mean, it's so important, Chip, in my opinion, for offensive linemen to get that redshirt year. So these are guys, you know, one thing that we have to always remember in fall camp, just because you're second string doesn't mean that you're getting a lot of quality reps. So these guys, even if they were second string last year, they weren't getting these type of reps. Basically, after the second week of fall camp, all of the they start kind of putting together the depth chart. And then they focus on the most quality reps being with the guys that they think are going to be the starters. And so, you know, I think that there's going to be just because of the inexperience at some of the positions on the offensive line, obviously not all of them, you know, the left side seems to be pretty solid and Derek Kirstad are moving to center. I think, you know, according to Sam Ellinger has not had any hiccups in doing that move over to center. But, you know, the other positions have always kind of been, we don't know what will come about for Texas. And, uh, but let's, let's, before we, you know, curse these offensive linemen who have never really had quality college reps, either at practice or in the game, let's just give them a chance. You know, let's just kind of tap the brakes. And as you said, come UTEP, if Sam Ellinger is running for his life, then let's sound the alarm. Right. Right. Um, so those are, and then, you know, some other names that uh, had some moments in that scrimmage, um, you know, Bijan Robinson, uh, Hudson Card um, has gotten a lot of buzz in the, right. through the first eight uh, practices. He's, of course, uh, the early enrollee quarterback from Lake Travis. Uh, Jaquindon Jackson from Duncanville is still recovering from his season-ending knee surgery in the playoffs. Remember, it was Jaquin and Jackson and Duncanville that ended South Lake Carroll and Quinn Ewers' uh, season last year. And we'll get to Quinn Ewers here in a second, um, the, the five-star quarterback in the 2022 class who committed to Texas and has uh, sent uh, confetti into the air in, in Austin, Taylor. Um, but, um, you know, it's early and we'll we'll – We'll keep an eye out, but I, I think one other uh, position to, to keep an eye on is is linebacker. And a lot of people are like, oh, we're terrible at linebacker. This, this is awful. No, Delia Dayway's doing fine. Um, and, he, you know, the guys to keep an eye on really are uh, David Benda and Jalen Ford. I'm hearing really good things about Jalen Ford. Like, he may not start this year. Mm-hmm. and Benda may not start this year. Maybe he will, yeah. but I'm hearing really good things about, about Jalen Ford and David Benda. So those guys have uh, the arrow, you know, those little stock up, stock down. Yeah. Stock up. All right. Well, um, and Texas put out a highlight video of uh, Bijan Robinson scoring a touchdown in practice last week, late last week. And David Benda was with the first team defense in that video. So something to keep an eye out for sure. 
when we can't be at practice, we have to look at every detail of these highlight videos and everything. Sadly, literally, we were going through and be like, okay, Moro Joma's out there with the first team, Josh Thompson, David Benda. So yeah. welcome to 2020, people. <laughs> right. And we talked about this last week. Tom Herman said that, you know, the position battles that he's really intrigued by, of course, offensive line, mm -hmm. um, linebacker, and then corner and you know, keep an eye on Josh Thompson and Kenyatta Watson. We've said that because they're they're pushing Jalen Green and Deshaun Jameson, and and that one could go all the way to to game week. Yeah, and I've been, um, you know, I've been on the Josh Thompson uh, hype train. I've been driving that train, I think, for a little while, <laughs> and you know, I think this is definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Yeah, he's waited his turn. Yep. I mean, they've had. They've had really good, talented guys. I mean, they've had Chris Boyd and Holton Hill, and they've had um, Brandon Jones. They've had guys who are in the league, right? That that Josh Thompson had to wait behind, and now he's getting his his chance. Yeah, and and, and he moved too. You remember he right. went from corner to safety to corner safety nickel type of hybrid type of thing last year. I mean, this is. He's kind of back at his natural position, and from what I've been told, this is the position he always has wanted to play, but he's been one of those team player guys that's like, I'll, I'll help out anywhere I can in the secondary. So now that he's back at his natural position, it, it doesn't really surprise me too much that he's really making a name for himself. And, and Chris Ash, when we talked to him earlier in the year, he won, Josh Thompson and Chris um, Brown were two defensive backs that immediately stood out to him on film. And he mentioned them both by name. So, you know, he already has the defensive coordinator, I think, eyeing him even before fall camp started. So I think that's, you know, very telling. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Thompson, one of the fastest guys on the team. Mm -hmm. So you tend to want to have those guys at corner where they can, you know, catch up to those receivers before they get in the end zone. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right. So, Taylor, we, we mentioned we talked to Sam Ellinger. He had some interesting things to say. Mm -hmm. Definitely, um, as you said, mentioned Troy O'Meary is a guy who was having a, a, a great camp. He also said of Bijan Robinson there at times, I like to hand off to him and then just watch. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, he, he thinks the world of Bijan Robinson and not that he doesn't think the world of Keonta Ingram and Roshan Johnson, but there's excitement when a, when a young guy shows up especially a five-star like Bijan Robinson, especially a five-star who looks like a grown man yeah. like Bijan Robinson and then can make plays and is right. not daunted. He's not, he's not nervous. I mean, he's just ready to go. So, um, you know, when the quarterback gives you a little pat on the fanny like that, you, you take note of it. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. And, and one thing too, not that, you know, it's, it's a, little bit different this year with Texas not going through spring practice, but you know, Bijan Robinson just got on campus this summer. So he didn't go through any of the preseason or any of the spring, you know, winter conditioning, nothing like that. He wasn't really involved in those meetings and installing the offense that Tom Herman said that he felt that, you know, even though they didn't have physical reps, they felt they were a little ahead of the game because of how well they had taught the team prior to everything going virtually. So this is a new, you know, a new body that came in, wasn't a part of those. And, um, you know, I think anytime you have a five star, you're always going to have a lot of hype following them, but he's living up to it so far. Yeah. 
and that's a that's a position where young players can come in and uh, have success right away. Right. Um, and then in talking to Sam Ellinger, well, you you wrote about, um, you know, he he said he would like for all the student athletes to have an automatic extra year of eligibility. Yeah, regardless, he said too. Right. You know? Um, and I, you know, he was very open about it. One thing with Sam Ellinger, he's been a part of, you know, the discussions with the big 12 officials, the big 12 commissioner ADs, they have kind of like a, you know, student athlete advisory type of panel that he and Caden Stearns are a part of. So their voices have been heard throughout, you know, the decisions leading up to the season and whatnot. But he did say that that was something, the NCAA eligibility situation was something that was addressed in these uh, discussions with Big 12 officials. And he said, you know, there's a lot of moving parts in it, obviously. Um, but regardless, he believes that the eligibility for student athletes should be frozen this year. And I do agree with him to an extent. It could cause, you know, the logistics behind it could be a little bit difficult if uh, they don't have some type of you know, cap limit on the amount of games you can play before so. But he brought up an interesting point where, you know, what happens if they don't freeze eligibility? Some teams start playing the season, and after the fourth game, if they're one and three, get off to a slow start, who's to say that they're not just going to opt, you know, opt out for COVID, he said specifically, and just to maintain that, that year of eligibility since the NCAA does allow, you know, four games um, – to re still redshirt, you know, if you've played in four games. So that to me was really interesting too. And we kind of saw that last year at Houston with Derek King, who's now the quarterback at Miami sure. transferred, you know, he kind of said he was going to sit out and then come back to Houston. And when he said that, my first thought was like, okay, yeah, yeah. So sure. <laughs> sure. Dan Holgerson <laughs> felt that way too. He's like, yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, you said exactly. what? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that's a very, that's another element to the whole, situation of what as chip likes to call mad dog 2020 has presented for college sports yeah we don't need tanking for you know 2020 we don't need that yeah i mean we saw that you're right Derek king did the tanking for 2019 well actually he did the tanking for 2020 knowing that he'd be able to go somewhere else for 2020 we don't need tanking for 21 right yes Absolutely. And what were your thoughts on Sam's, you know, um, comments about that? Yeah, I thought, I thought he was right on about the eligibility and, and then he was asked if fall, if football got pushed to the spring, would you play? And he was very evasive. He said, Oh, I haven't thought about that. And I guess if we get there, I'll think about it then. Right. Um, which, you know, we got to play in the fall. Yeah. I mean, there's, we've talked about this before. There's, there's a real sense that there will be no spring football, especially if the big 12 sec and ACC are playing and they are acknowledged as the 2020 college football season. What's the point yeah. of playing? They're going to be in the playoff. They're the ones that are going to uh, get the trophies and what you're going to play for just, participation trophies. Basically. Right. Just go play to say you played? Yeah, it doesn't. And then, you know, Chip, what we're going to see, and I know there's no definitives, but this is pretty much definitive right now. What you're going to see is the best athletes aren't going to play in the spring. Right. Because they, you know, if they're, especially if they're draft eligible, like 
Justin Fields, for instance, do we really think that he's going to play, you know, a, a, a smaller season in the spring just to say he played? No, because it could imp- it could hurt his draft stop s- stock substantially. And that's why he started that petition that now yeah. has 250,000 signatures because he's like, I need to play in the fall. Yeah. I have a team that can win the national championship. And I I'm a Heisman, Heisman Trophy candidate, possibly, you know, right. early favorite, one of the early favorites. So let's let's get this party started. And Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, is like, sorry, nobody home. Even though like his w- son is playing at Mississippi State. Yeah. Meanwhile, his son is playing at Mississippi State. Yes. Um, all right. Taylor, anything else that Sam Ellinger said that that jumped out at you? Um, you know, well, I want to clarify one little tiny thing here. So. Sam was asked about um, the LSU game and the exact wording of the question was, Sam, did you cry when you heard that the LSU game was canceled? And it's kind of gone on Twitter because of the context was not necessarily specified that Sam just said yes, like plainly, flatly, yes, in response to if he cried. Chip, you and I both know that is not what was said. He laughed first in response to the question and then goes, yes. And then he went on, no, you know, it was really unfortunate that, um, you know, we won't be able to play there. I really wanted to go play at LSU in that environment. So yeah, it was like really disappointing and I was upset about it. So just before you read tweets and think that this is exactly it, that's not what he said. He didn't say he cried. It was a joke. I mean, he, he did say yes, but it was obviously in a joking was, manner. Right, tongue in cheek. Yes. Yes. Very good. Very good point. Because I guess seeing people. <laughs> yeah, I guess it went out that he like genuinely sat in the corner and cried. And yeah. come on, come on. I'm 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 having a tough time with with uh, every Mad Dog 2020 is getting to everybody. It's like, yeah. come on, use your use your brain here. Right. Well, Chip, you know we still have to talk about Texas's new and updated schedule since the Big 12 Conference has unveiled how the conference slate is going to play out. Plus, Texas's rival Oklahoma definitely did not get any help from the Big 12 with the new schedule unveiling. But before we get to all of that, we're going to take a very, very short break. Very short. So make sure you stick around and we will be right back with the second half of the flagship podcast. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, well, you know, I think we're uh, I think we're getting to that time. You know what I'm saying? Well, first, Chip, we got to talk about Texas' new schedule before. Oh we- yes, of course, yes. 
of course. Can't tease Me- something and then not talk about it. <laughs> right. We mentioned UTEP as the non-conference. Of course, you heard that here first. Um, but then Texas's revised Big 12 schedule, drum roll, they were going to open at K-State. Now they're going to open at Texas Tech and then play TCU in Austin and then go play Oklahoma. And so we'll let's start with that right there, Taylor. I I will gladly take a road trip to Lubbock and take my chances with a Texas Tech defense that no longer has Jordan Brooks or Broderick Washington or Douglas Coleman, who had eight interceptions last year, then going up to Manhattan to face Chris Kleiman, the defensive guru who's won multiple national championships at North Dakota State and had one of the best defenses in the Big 12 that no one's talking about. And he has seven starters back on that defense, including... Uh, Wyatt Hubert, who was one of the sack leaders in the Big 12 last year. So I'm I'm thinking Texas came out okay in the revised Big 12 schedule. What say you? So I, I do think that there are ups and downs of it. You know, we've talked previously on the flagship podcast about how one game that was one that, you know, could be the toughest one on the schedule for Texas was – ending the season at Oklahoma State on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, when, you know, that could could have had very substantial Big 12 conference title implications that followed that game if the season kind of played out the way um, people expect it to at the top. Now they play on Halloween. Now they play, yes. So now they play on Halloween there. But it's when I saw the schedule, I was kind of like, oh, no. I don't know if this got any better because now they're ending this season at K-State on the road in Manhattan in December where it's probably going to be freezing, if not possibly sleeting or snowing. And And we've been there when it's been freezing, (laughs) sleeting and snowing. Yes. Yeah. When they won the Big 12 uh, or share the Big 12 championship in what was that 2012, I believe. I was scared. I've never been more scared in my life because I was on the field when the crowd started rushing it. And I got afraid I was going to get trampled. But anyway, you know, Texas has only won one game there since when? 2003? Uh, and one thing to consider, the, the years that Texas did play for... And that was with Tom national, Herman. Yeah, and that was with Tom Herman, yes. 1914, two years ago. Yes. And, uh, you know, the, um, the two years that Texas even went to the national championship K-State wasn't on the schedule. So it's not like, you know, Vince Young or Colt McCoy in 05 and 09 beat K-State on the road. Nope, they didn't play. So that's a, I don't know what it is about Manhattan, Kansas, but there's something in the air in Bill Snyder Stadium. You wouldn't expect it because it's really small. It's really compact, but it gets loud in there. And it's kind of one of those, you know, don't let the the oil get hot type of thing with the crowd and atmosphere in there, because once that starts, it's difficult to stop it. And I've, I've witnessed, I mean, I've seen Texas get shut out there on the road. So, you know, I've, we've seen this happen. Well, guess who opens big 12 play with K state. That would be the Oklahoma Sooners who got paddled by K state last year. Um, and, and that was, uh, 
you know, that was brutal. I mean, Skylar Thompson ran all over that OU defense. K-State controlled that game pretty much from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And here's K-State with their Chris Kleiman defense going up against a first-time starter at quarterback for OU. That's You want to stay away from the veteran defenses if you're OU with your young quarterback right. until the second half of the season. And the Big 12 did not do Oklahoma any favors because then they go to Iowa State, which I said would be my Big 12 upset of the year, Iowa State over OU. They have nine starters back on defense. John Haycock is still dialing up that defense. Then they play Texas, who has nine starters back. Then they play TCU, mm-hmm. who has Corey Bethley, Garrett Wallow, and Trevon Morig right up the middle of their defense. And Taylor, that is like for the five-time defending Big 12 champs, they got no favors from the scheduling. I mean, look at the SEC. Alabama draws Vanderbilt and Missouri mm-hmm. from the east, and Georgia draws uh, Arkansas. You know, I mean, the SEC protected their their kingmakers yep. when they added the two conference games. And it's just uh, it's it's interesting to me to yeah. see how the Big 12 did not look out for Oklahoma, it seems. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the people in the SEC, I feel most sorry for are probably the um, new coaches. Some of them. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like, I mean, Arkansas drew Georgia and Florida yeah. from the east. What was Missouri? Missouri had a gauntlet, too, right? Oh, yeah. Missouri got uh, Alabama and LSU. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, they definitely looked out for their uh, bell cows in the SEC, I think. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. So Texas, I think that schedule is manageable. Look, you're going to have to go on the road. You're going to have to go on the road to K-State. You're going to have to go on the road to Oklahoma State. You're going to have to go on the road to Tech. And you're going to have to play in Dallas against Oklahoma, but you get half of, what, 25% capacity? Right. Which just makes me sad, but we'll take it. Just play the game. We'll just all just play the game. We'll be there. I won't complain Um, ever again if we get this season. That's probably not true. I probably will complain. (laughs) Wow. But, um, you know, okay, those are your road games. You know that. Mm -hmm. And Kansas. Yes. So you're going to get Iowa State at home. You're going to get West Virginia at home. Um, and Baylor. Baylor. Mm-hmm. And TCU. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I like Texas' schedule more than I like OU's. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I totally agree with that. I just, the K-State game, I was like, ooh. I thought Oklahoma State would be a bad season, regular season finale. I don't know if this is much better, but. Well, and I won't bring up 06 when Colt McCoy got his shoulder deadened for the first time and Jevin Sneed had to come in and Texas had a chance to go right up in the polls um, because there was a big upset that day. I think Florida lost to South Carolina and Texas could have put itself in position to, you know, maybe get back into the national championship picture, but it, uh, was not meant to be that night because Josh Freeman turned into freaking Russell Wilson 
and was throwing darts to Yaman figures. I've always said Josh Freeman needs to belong to the Longhorn Foundation and give money to the Longhorn Foundation because Texas and the highlight reel from that game got him drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. So, yeah. We, we won't bring that up, though, Taylor. Let's not talk about that. No need to bring up 2006. I was in college at that time, and I remember I was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, talk about ending seasons in Manhattan. Okay. Yeah. All right, so are we ready now for uh, a little love it or leave it? And by the way, if you love us, feel free to get over to uh, iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Bosses love that. And give us a review. Tell us what, what you like, and we'll read it on the air. That's what, yeah. yeah. We're getting we're reaching closer to 500 reviews. So, um, you know, that, that helps us substantially. So, yeah, for sure. And another thing for the entire month of August, uh, the month of August is celebrating 24-7 sports 10-year anniversary. So for the whole month, you get 50% off annual memberships. And Texas fans definitely need to take advantage of that because as of right now, there's actually a football season to talk about. So, Football you know, season, Quinn Ewers is committed. Texas, and, yeah, number one player in the country. And, and there's rumblings that maybe he's going to be attracting some other high-end talent. Yes. Maybe at the receiver position. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, keep uh, – just head on over and, and join, the, join the fun. Yes, absolutely. All right, Chip, so let's get into our love it or leave it segment. I'm going to pose some statements to you. If you agree, you love it. If you disagree, you leave it. So to start off, there seems to be a lot of positive buzz around Hudson cards so far in fall camp. Love it or leave it, that buzz is justified. Okay, I'm going to love this and I'm going to leave it. Now let me explain. Um, Hudson card, everything you're hearing is that the guy has just, he's a sponge. He's come in, he's learned the offense. Even when he's not in the rep in practice, he'll be dropping back and simulating the throw when he would be making the throw. Like you're, so when they go back and look at film, they can see Hudson Card looking at the defense and then simulating when he would throw it. Sometimes he throws it before the quarterback in the rep throws it. And so the coaches can see what's going on, which is smart by Hudson Card because he knows the offense. I'm going to leave it just the hype machine, you know, just he struggled in the scrimmage like everybody. And when the live bullets are flying, it's going to be tough for the, for the freshman from Lake Travis, but he is, he has all the answers to the questions. So from that standpoint, the buzz is justified, but don't crown him yet. Right. And you know, Casey Thompson's been in the system. Now, the unfair part for Casey Thompson is they bring in a new offensive coordinator. Now, Mike Yersich recruited Casey Thompson at Oklahoma State, so they know each other. But Casey's having to kind of learn the offense with everyone else, which puts Hudson Card, Jaquin and Jackson on somewhat equal footing with Casey Thompson. It's not like Casey has a ton of game reps, but I think there is justified buzz around Hudson Card. He's doing everything right, but let's not crown him quite yet. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I don't know why I started thinking this. Didn't Shane Bouchelle do that in his first spring? I remember, I think it was either Shane Bouchelle or Sam Ellinger that I remember 
being in spring practice, I actually think it was Shane. Behind it was Shane. Tyrone Swoops, yeah. And that's exactly what he did. And Shane started as a true freshman. So, um, you know, that to me should be a positive. And Shane Bouchelle, you know, he his career didn't fully work out at Texas, but he did win some some games for Texas and then led your uh, your ponies, the SMU, to uh, what, an eight-win season was it last Mustangs. year? Mustangs. Oh, Wild Mustangs. horses. Ponies are little horses that girls ride at a birthday party. Why was Wild it? Mustangs. Yes. Yes. Success then. Double digit wins for Shane Bouchelle for the Mustangs, the Mustang Mafia. Yeah. Fantastic. So, Love you, Shane. I think, I think that's a good sign. Um, I'm I'm gonna love this though, just because I think any time that you can get a true freshman to generate buzz, it's a positive thing. The reality is he probably isn't going. I think in all, if if the season played out exactly how you know Tom Herman and Mike Yersich had it, you know could like imagine he'll be able to redshirt, maybe get in, you know, for a few garbage time reps or anything. But I think ideally they would like to probably redshirt him because if they're not redshirting him, it's because of something really bad happening and on the depth chart ahead of him, and we won't even speak that into existence. But you know, I think that if if you're a true freshman in your first you know, preseason camp and people that are there, sources that we've talked to are, are talking this player up. I don't, I'm not saying that they should overhype him, but I think this is a positive. So I'm going to, I'm going to love this. Okay. All right. Good. All right. So Chip, as we talked earlier in the show, Troy O'Meary um, tore his ACL in a non-contact uh, situation in the first scrimmage. He'll be out for the remainder of the season. Love it or leave it, Texas is screwed without Troy O'Meary. You know, I'm going to leave this. They're not screwed, but this, man, this kid had some serious upside and was making some waves and would have been fun to see if he could carry that over to the season and not hit the wall. I mean, look, we had a lot of excitement about Jake Smith at this time last year. He was running reverses and catching flare passes and taking it to the house and in fall camp and my God, Jake Smith, this guy's going to be unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He hit the freshman wall. I mean, he scored a touchdown against LSU and then he, you know, he had ups and downs. Yes. Now the good news is Jake Smith is, is dialed in. Um, Tom Herman said he's was voted by his teammates onto the leadership council as a sophomore. That says a lot. Mm-hmm. So anyone wondering where Jake Smith's head is, his head is at Texas and, and, making plays and and Jake Smith Jordan Whittington Tariq Black and Brennan Eagles those guys are the reasons that Texas is not screwed mm-hmm. with the injury to Troy O'Meary but this this hurts because he's a big receiver and Texas needs to develop the next guy um, or depth at that big receiver position right I agree with you. I'm going to leave this. Um, you know, it's it's early in fall camp. It's great that he was getting hype, but to say that Texas is screwed when Texas has a number of talented, you know, wide receivers. Now they may be in, a little inexperienced or a little green, but still, I mean, as long as they're developed and they continue to be developed from the way that they were coming in, you know, as um, as recruits, because these were all know four or five star type of receivers that Texas has just all across the wide receiver group so 
I'm going to, I'm going to believe in our rankings, our recruiting rankings, people. I'm going to give Texas coaches the benefit of the doubt and um, Andre Coleman being able to develop the receivers and say, they're not going to be screwed, but it's, it's a hit. No doubt about it. Yeah. All right, Chip. Well, with reports of COVID-19 spikes on campuses where students have returned like North Carolina and Notre Dame, love it or leave it, we're doomed this college football season. No, we're, I'm leaving this. I'm leaving it. We're not doomed. We're not doomed. But Taylor, help me out with this because remember all the talk about how we can't have student athletes on campus going through fall sports with no students on campus. That's terrible. It looks like we're just, you know, having the student athletes uh, be guinea pigs and sacrifice to the lambs to play fall sports. Um, no. Yeah. That's, they're in a bubble, and we'd like to keep them in the bubble. And you can have your general student population doing online classes. I mean, we're in a pandemic, after all. And the testing on the football side is going well. Now, I'm knocking on some wood here because as long as those tests keep coming back negative, we're okay. Right. Um, you talk to – I've talked to Big 12 officials – it, six different schools, all of them said, look, we're going to get a little spike when the general student population comes back. We're ready for it. So when you're talking about thousands of students and you're getting 100-something tests back positive, that's livable. Right. I mean, people are like, oh, my God, the world is ending. No, it isn't. Calm yeah. down. Relax. Right. But we don't need these students in and around the football team because right. they're in a bubble. They're doing good. Leave them alone. Yes. I'm I totally selfish. No, I, I mean, football. I, so that's I, how I feel about it. And one thing too, you know, if we're, you, if people are complaining about student athletes, you know, being on campus, if every other, you know, student doesn't have to be, first of all, Chip, as you mentioned, that's a positive because we've seen the numbers drastically go down with in football departments across the country. And then secondly, I mean, the reality is, if there is no football season, this could have long-term implications for some players' careers. I mean, I can't get Joe Burrow's tweet that he sent out after the Big Ten announced that they were going to postpone the season to the spring. You know, he said, if I didn't play last fall, I'd probably be looking for a job right now. As a number yeah, one... selling insurance. Yeah, overall pick. The number one overall draft pick. And so if we're truly looking out for the best interest of the student athletes, number one, it's been shown that when they're confined into a controlled environment, it seems as the way it has been going so far, we don't know any, you know, definitives, but as the numbers have come back, that actually is safer than sending them home. And then two, don't we want these student athletes to succeed after they leave? Like, don't we want some of the, the players that could, you know, surprise and jump on the scene and become, first, second, third round draft picks just by one good season. Isn't that looking out for the betterment of the student athletes? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's being entirely overlooked. People are just going with it. Oh, it's just shows that, you know, college football shouldn't be an amateur sport and these are employees and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's, that's not the case. That's a different topic. But that's, I think that this is actually better if we're truly looking out for the best interests of the student athletes. Yeah, I'm with you. and. Look, all the rest of the students can go online. Yeah. Just this fall semester. That's right. it. Okay, and maybe the, football yeah. players a lot of times already take online classes. This is not new. I mean, right. 
Like I, I could almost guarantee you that Sam Ellinger would have not had an in-person class on campus this season if there well, was no pandemic. And Texas is notorious for not offering online classes and really until the pandemic. So I get that this is new and everything else, but hey, if we want football. They had online classes when I was at Texas, though. I took did? online classes. Uh-huh. The University of Texas was offering those classes? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, then I was fed some malarkey. Yeah. I, uh, the, like, one English class I had to finish my last semester, it was, I took it online. So, and you have, like, nine months to essentially finish or take your final, or I think it was. I forget exactly what it was. Been a little bit of time. Not a ton of time, but a little bit of time since I've been in college. So, See? yeah. See? Yeah, we got the insider over here. We I got know. Taylor Estes on the online class uh, situation at the U of T. So, I mean, unless something changed in recent years, I would. They definitely did when I was there, and I wasn't there too too long ago. So, okay, all right, all right, no, all right, Chip. So the final love it or leave it here. As we mentioned, the Big Twelve and SEC updated their schedules. Uh, two of Texas' rivals, even if Texas fans don't want to acknowledge one, Oklahoma and Texas A&M, both have really tough slates ahead. Love it or leave it, Oklahoma got screwed more than Texas A&M. I'm gonna, I'm gonna love this. Okay. I'm gonna love this. Here's why. Because the one thing you didn't want to have happen if you're OU is face all the tough defenses right out of the shoot. Right. And by facing K-State, Iowa State, Texas, and TCU to start, man, that first-year quarterback at OU is going up against some of the best defenses in the league. And A&M, yeah, they got to go to they got to go to Alabama. They had to go to Alabama all along. You right. get Florida added to your schedule, and that that's tough because Florida. I've said Dan Mullen, that's my guy. If Tom Herman won the lottery and bought an island, I'd go hire Dan Mullen to be the coach at Texas. That guy, all he does is win. And now A&M has to play Florida in addition to the SEC West, and they got to play them early, but they get them at home. Right. So, yeah, that's tough. But to me, and you've got an experienced quarterback in Kellen Mond. He, he, he's probably licking his chops to get a chance to play Florida at, uh, in College Station. So with a young quarterback, and I know Lincoln Riley coaches him to be as confident as can possibly be, and everything we've heard about Spencer Rattler is he's the next big thing. Still, on paper, I think OU got screwed worse than A&M. Yeah, yeah. This is a toss-up for me. I mean, I, I literally could love it or leave it, to be honest. I mean, while I think A&M, it helps that, you know, they get to start the season against Vanderbilt. Um, but Alabama and Florida, back-to-back weeks is tough. Then they get Mississippi State, Arkansas shouldn't be an issue. Well, it was an issue for them last year, but they pulled it out. Uh, South Carolina, Tennessee, then Ole Miss, and then LSU-Auburn to end the year. It's like a and has a little bit of like a leeway in the middle of the season, but there's a very good chance that A&M may start the year one and two. Right. With a losing record, you know, going into um, that Mississippi State game, which is in Starkville. Now, we don't know what Mississippi State's going to be like with uh, a whole new 
staff and Mike Leach uh, taking over there. But um, but then again, I kind of agree with you about the Spencer Rattler thing. You know, a new quarterback, first-time starter, has very, very, very limited um, snaps at the college level from his redshirt freshman year. I mean, that's tricky. So I, I don't. I think I'm on the fence here. I, I live it, leave it. <laughs> I don't know if that's a yeah. thing. But <laughs> you like it. You don't love it. Yeah. I mean, I think both of them um, are definitely going to have some some challenges ahead. But, you know, I mean, yeah, I guess... A&M got Tennessee as their other East right. add-on, and Tennessee's considered a team on the rise. Right. I mean, that, not like Florida, but still, Tennessee's tricky. And that's on the road, too. And not and that's on the road. So, yeah, so Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, Auburn, three of... And we, again... Ole Miss, we don't know what it's going to be like under Lane Kiffin, first-year head coach there. So, um, But there's talent. I mean, in Mississippi State, they have one of the best running backs in the country, and Kylan Hill, If as long as he hasn't opted out, I haven't seen anything like that. But, right. yeah, it's going to be a challenge. But experience a lot of times plays. So Oklahoma may be in a worse situation. Well, um, experience is what we gain every time we do the flagship podcast hopefully it's been a great experience for you all listening we sure do appreciate you um and you know if you're feeling so kind jump over to itunes give us a five-star rating give us a review um we need to get to 500 reviews we're we're close so help us help us we're asking you (laughs) um and we'll do it again next week we promise Uh, Don't forget to check out the flagship podcast on Mondays, the interview uh, this week, Lance Taylor and his, he covers the SEC at Jocks Radio in Birmingham, Alabama. Some really interesting takes on his view of Texas, the SEC, the landscape of college football, and he likes Texas um, a lot. Football playoff contender, possibly. Tell me what. So, so check that out. Saying that. <laughs> and uh, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next week, everybody stay safe and keep the faith. Thanks for listening. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.